today I want to continue from where I stopped last week, talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. We saw in the Bible, in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 4, that on the day of Pentecost, right, when the Holy Spirit was released upon people, uh, the people began to speak with, in an unknown tongue. Right, they get, began to speak in a language that is not uh, a supernatural language. So let's start off with that. Let's look at um, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Acts 2, 4. I have a lot of juice for you guys this morning. I'll try to slow down, not to, not to, not to be too fast, but I wanted to take some stuff on this morning or afternoon. Now, uh, Acts 2, 4. Okay, Dax tells us what actually happened, but let's take it from verse 1, and I'll read down to verse 4. So the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. So I'm reading from the NIV, New International Version. Verse 2, I'll take again. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed like, so they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let's take that verse 4 again. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So there was a baptism in the Spirit. And the evidence of it, there's a baptism in the Spirit. There was a feeling and there was a speaking. And that speaking was an enablement by the Holy Spirit. I wish I had checked my dictionary definition of enable. Uh, maybe I can, okay, okay, pardon me today. If anybody can go on Google quickly and find the definition of enable, uh, I have a shortcut. Let's look at amplified. Amplified version. So I'll take verse 4, Acts chapter 2, verse 4 from amplified. It reads, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other different foreign languages, in bracket, tongues, as the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression in each tongue, in appropriate words. Okay, Amplified, you've added it. So, <laughs> because that's too long. Right, so let me try to uh, break it down for us. So what, I, what I'm trying to call out here is this. Now, these guys were supernaturally enabled to speak a different language to their own mother tongue, to their own native language. Now, sp now the Bible tells us that they were spirit, uh, as a spirit enabled them. Now, the Bible is telling us that, that it was not their mind that enabled them. So what they were speaking was not a function of their mind. Jasmine, if I ask you uh, something about, what, do, what, do you t what subject do you teach? Science. So if I ask you something about chemistry, so mm, the anatomy, because I have a little bit of uh, science too, so uh, we can speak um, spiritual chemistry. <laughs> we can speak spiritual um, science, spiritual science language this morning. Now, if I ask you a question uh, um, regarding the things, you, the, what you teach, 
I'm very confident that you will give me a response based on the knowledge that you have of that subject. So which means if you don't have that knowledge, you can't give an answer. Likewise, the English we speak, okay, I'm, uh, I'm originally a Nigerian from Southwest Nigeria, so we speak a language called Yoruba language, right? So we went to English schools and we were taught English language and to our parents, <laughs> Mr. Mole is laughing. <laughs> so uh, I was not born into an English family. I, was, I think I've done with my English to some extent anyway. Uh, right. So uh, we're not born to, I wasn't born into an English family. I was born into a Yoruba family. And I went to school. Then my parents, too, knowing English one way or the other, spoke English to me. So that's so the English language was something I learned. And even the Yoruba language was something I learned because when I was given birth to, it was, if I was taken to the north, northern part of Nigeria, even though I was born in Southwest, if I was taken to the northern part of Nigeria where they speak a language called Hausa language, right, what I would be speaking is a Hausa language. Likewise, in the UK here, if we take a child, I'm trying not to offend my friend, who will live, in, will live up north. If you give it back to a child in South London, but raise the child in up north, they're going to pick the accent of the guys up north. I'm sure I didn't offend anybody. Right? And if you give it back to a child, if you give back to a child in up north, and you bring them to South London, they're going to pick the South, Lon uh, South London in it. Amen. So, natural language, what I'm trying to say, is something that we learn. But speaking with tongues is a supernatural language that comes from our spirit. So, when people say things like, when I'm speaking in tongues, how am I sure I'm not speaking nonsense? Yeah, what you are speaking to your mind is nonsense. Because your mind has not learned that language. But to your spirit is not nonsense. Because it's coming from your spirit, your spirit, uh, sorry, because it's, coming from, because it is coming from your spirit, your spirit understands spiritual things. Now, the book of uh, uh, Ephesians 1.13 tells us that when you and I, when we believed, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Spirit of God was in our spirit. So our spirit understands the supernatural language of God. As the Holy Spirit in us you know, as they have that in exchange of conversation and stuff like that. So the Holy Spirit is the one who quickens, who gives us an utterance from inside. And that is why to speak in tongues is something you do by faith. Just the way you believe, just the way you know that you're a child of God by faith. Because if you look at yourself and the attitude and the habits and the fighting that we do, right, it doesn't sound like we look like God. Amen. You know, when, um, I don't know who I'm speaking to here, you know when your husband tells you something and you come from another angle and you say your home back and the Bible says that love is kind. Love does not, this is my own version, love, do, love does not give it back to your husband. <laughs> so I say love is, love is not rude, love is kind, love is patient, right? But we can see how very patient we are. We are very, very patient. So, it, it, because I'm speaking by faith, right? So, knowing that we are very, very, we are very, very patient by faith. If you look, go, so First Corinthians 13 from verse four is telling us the attributes and the character of God. God is love. He's kind. He's not rude. He does not seek his own. He's not boastful and stuff like that. But if you look at our own 
everyday life, we realize that many times we do things that are different, contrary to that. So with our behavior and habits, what I'm trying to say is this. We don't look like God. But we know that because we are saved, we are children of God. The Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith. The healing we receive, the supernatural provision we receive, all of these things, we receive them by faith. So likewise, when it comes to speaking with tongues, we have to receive and speak by faith. Because it's not a natural human language. Amen. So let's get into the Bible. Uh, there's some meat I wanted to bust this morning, very quickly. So you hear Oman of garbage when it comes to speaking with tongues. I'll try to cover four this morning. Right, one. So people say things like the Holy Spirit, the speaking in tongues is for people who are holy. Now, if you're not holy, don't even think about it. If there's this sin in your life, don't even go there. It's a bloody lie. It's an extreme lie. The question we should be asked, when you're talk, talking about holiness from God's perspective, is holiness based on your actions or based on your spirit man? When I say spirit man, is it based on who you are? Don't forget, okay, we taught, I taught this over about eight hours on, during our last conference, that we are fundamentally a spirit. Let's take it back to Genesis chapter 2, I think verse 17. The Bible tells us that God formed the human body and God breathed into the nosaries of that human body and that body became a living soul. So without the breath, the spirit of God, without the spirit, life, in a human body, the body is lifeless. That's why James 2.26 tells us that as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So what makes a person a human being is the fact that they have a spirit. If the spirit is not there, nothing. You know, nothing happens. The body is lifeless. It's just there. One of the reasons why people cannot say to God in, um, at the end of the day that their body made them do what they did. When, I mean, for guys, we did, rubbish, did um, some silly stuff. We can't say our body made us do it because our body is just the messenger. Our body will only carry out the instruction we give it. Amen? So, now, we have a spirit. We are a spirit, in a sense. So, when we give our life to Christ, what actually changes in our life is our spirit. Everything that God accomplished in our life is in our spirit. Speaking to God becomes something spiritual. Prayer becomes spiritual, not something from the mind. Amen? There's more to that, but I'm trying to focus on just speaking with tongues. So, the Bible says that if any human being be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, if anybody is in Christ, is a new creature, old things are passed away and all things become new, which means the old spiritual condition of sin is gone and you have now received a new nature. But if we look at ourselves physically, nothing changed the day you give your life to Christ. Your height did not change. Your complexion did not change. So is the Bible lying? If the Bible is not lying, then we should be asking what's really changed. And I can tell you from verses and verses from the scriptures, what actually changed is our spirit. So we no longer have the sinful nature of the devil. Hence, we cannot call ourselves sinners. You hear things like, I'm a sinner saved by grace. It is wrong. You were a sinner saved by grace. 
Because now you are a child of God. A child of God is different from a sinner. Both of them are not, they don't look alike spiritually. A child of God is influenced by the Spirit of God. In their spirit, in their spirit to a very much extent. A sinner is influenced, controlled, manipulated, led, inspired by the devil. Because sinning or no sinning is a spiritual condition. Fundamentally, a spiritual condition. So when people are shouting at me and saying, Pastor Sunday, you're supposed to be telling people they are sinners, you should go into the world and tell them you're sinners. I'm thinking, are you well? Because what Jesus asked me to do is to minister the gospel to them so that the inner nature of sin can be taken away and they can receive a new life. When they receive a new life, the next thing we then need to do is to begin to retrain their brain, their mind, so that they can begin to think correctly. Amen. I'm getting somewhere. So, having said all of that, when we talk about holiness, where do we think the true holiness is? Is it based on the actions or based on the spirit? On the spirit. Now, people will say, because it's a struggle with one addiction, because it's a struggle with one problem, one behavior, one mental health issues or something, they say to you that, you know, you are not holy. So you should not even think about receiving the Holy Spirit because it's too holy. Because the Holy Spirit cannot dwell in an empty vessel, in a dirty vessel. Oh, thank you, in a dirty vessel. So we should be asking them, what is a vessel? So if you want to, if you want to have intelligent conversations with religious people, uh, you will have fun. Just uh, when religious people come and they are screaming and shouting at you, just ask them for the definition of what they are saying. Don't be intimidated. Can I say something to you? See, your life is owned by God. No prophet or pastor owns your life. So all those fallacy and nonsense that they tell you that if you leave a church, your life has ended is a bloody lie. Such people are agents of darkness in the making because they are trying to convert the church to a cult. Amen? So nobody has a right. When you hear things like, if you leave, you are cursed. Just call my number. And I will teach you how to respond to them. I'm tempted to go in some direction, but let me come back. Amen. So what I'm trying to say is that you are responsible for your life and should not allow anybody to control your life. Your life belongs to God. Amen. First Corinthians 6 says, your body and your spirit, they belong to God. So people should deliver themselves from controlling religious people. And you have to start thinking of doing it now. Start doing it now. Amen. I don't know why I went there, but the Holy Spirit said something. So we said holiness is truly in the spirit. I'll, I'll try to shut down before, uh, so that uh, we can carry on next week. Because I can't. Okay, don't worry, don't worry. The God is good. God is good. Amen. <clears throat> I was so excited. I couldn't wait to get here this morning because I know I was going to bust on meat this morning. Amen. And I was even struggling to compose notes. I was like, okay, hello. Okay, I'll just go and speak. Okay, let's carry on. So now, let me now show us the true holiness. Let's go to Hebrews chapter ten, verse ten. Hebrews 
10, 10. So they tell you that based on your actions, you are not holy. They are not thinking correctly. Right. So, verse 10. And by that will, we have been made holy. You know, let me see. Should I take it? Okay, let's start from verse 8 so we can have some context. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sins offering you did not desire. So if you are having special offering in your life for God to forgive you of your sin, they are all lies. Every, anybody who asks you to come and pay a special offering, now I forgot to even take offering because it's not in my DNA. That's when we anyway, again. Anyone who asks you to come and pay a special offering for God to be kind with to you, for God to be happy with you, they are scammers. No, they are, they are scammers. Sacrificial offering, thanksgiving offering, breakthrough offering is a lie. Now, let's do the maths. So, they collect sacrificial, thanksgiving, all manner of offering from thousands of people. And out of, um, say, 5,000 people, members of the church, only two came out to testify that something happened. No, that maths is, my wife is an accountant. We should do the percentage. It's not even up to 1%. Far from 1%. And if, we, if you listen to the testimonies of the people properly, you realize that something was already in motion. I'll give an example. I was speaking to this man of God. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we have 20 minutes to go. How do we do this? Right. So I was speaking to this man of God. And um, he was asking my parent to do a sacrifice to bring money to something because I was processing my visa to come to the UK. I don't know how my mom feel about this, but that's my what I was about. And the man said, they need to you know, bring some money because so that the, the, the visa will not be delayed and will not get stuck. Then, okay, that was on a Sunday. On the, on the Monday, the British embassy somehow was able to get out of me and they said they've been trying to reach me for many months back. But on Sunday, the man said they should bring some money for them to do some special prayer. I don't think, I can't remember if my mother sent, went and gave the money or something. I'm saying, you guys are askamas. It's a lie. It's a lie. I get to me. So let's carry on. So, uh, so all kind of offering and sacrifice is a lie. Now let me balance that up. When we give, we give as an expression of our gratitude to God for his goodness and his kindness upon our lives. When we give, we are acknowledging God as a source of our finances. When we give, we are saying that, Lord, I can give this out. I'm giving this out because you are my source. One problem with not giving is that it makes you want to see yourself as your source. You know, to a very much extent, when people think it is how much they can save you know, they save every penny. I think also the church has not done a good job in balancing out how God kind of bless people in a sense as we give. So the church has taught us to expect some miraculous money. But let me share with you something the Holy Spirit showed me during the week. You know, this is bonus because we came to church. Right. He said, Tony, do you realize that even when we talk about harvest, you know, when a farmer sows plant crops, and uh, supernaturally, God enables them to have um, you know, a bountiful harvest. I mean, harvest that is beyond the, okay, 
and they have harvest that is much more than the unsaved farmer, right? Because by the reason of being children of God, we experience the supernatural. We have more increase just because we are children of God. So do you realize that if the, a farmer, a Christian farmer, experiences a huge harvest, do you realize that it's more work? Mm. It's more work. Because if previously what you needed to harvest is maybe, uh, say, 1,000 tons of um, citrus, oranges. Because you're a child of God and a supernatural increase, you ha- now have to, then your farm kind of turn over, you know, produces about five times of it. That's more work. So either way, when God blesses you or you, the manifestation of, or there's a manifestation of God's blessing, it comes in the form of work. So which means you need to now think about how to preserve more oranges. Your logistics, your supply chain is, I mean, the processes, the moving around of stuff, you know, the people you need to hire increases. So God's blessings does not manifest in the form of checking the post. It is poor people that, Jesus help me here to be very nice. The church, Jesus, okay, okay, let's calm down. It is poverty thinking that you should go and give money in church and you then raise your offering, they're talking about check in the post. Is a lie. If HMRC, what's the name? HMR Home. I want to because my audience may not know HMRC. Uh, home, Majesty, Majesty Revenue and Customs. So if the tax people, if you don't owe, owe the tax man in UK, I can't say in Nigeria whether they will pay you back. But in UK, if you don't owe the tax man, they're still owing some money. If you don't owe the tax man money, there's no check that will come in the post. And if anybody mistakenly deposits money in your account, you better be careful that we will ask you for the money. It's simple. Sacrifices and offerings. Let's carry on. <clears throat> For he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sins offerings you did not desire. So God does not desire all those specialized offering. Nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the Lord. Now in context here, it's based on the Old Testament. We'll talk about that in the future. But we have a version of it in the new te- in in that everyday church today when they ask you to bring all manner of stuff. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> then he said, "Here I am. I have come to do your will." He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We have been made holy through what was sacrificed? The sacrifice of Jesus. So if somebody is saying to you that there's additional thing you need to do to become holy, they are lying to you. Because holiness, first of all, must take place in the spirit before it reflects in the action. It is wrong to want to be holy from the exterior by changing your actions so that you can be holy on the inside. Then you did not need to, you don't need Jesus. Because all you needed to do was just to change your behavior and you'll be saved. But that has never happened and will never happen. So holiness starts from inside your spirit, receiving Christ into your life. Then, as you begin to change the way you think, your attitude and actions change. This is the reason why when I see Christians who are held or stuck or struggling with one sinful behavior or habit or the other, I don't condemn them. I tell them it's a mind matter. 
Bring, just send them to me. Give me three months. And we start getting to it. And into the word of God, exposing the lies of the enemy in their mind. And they will realize that by default, their attitudes and behavior are changing. See, a believer who knows his identity in Christ, who knows I am now new, I'm born again, I'm bigger than all of this. I don't need, some, I don't need Instagram likes to validate me. I don't need Facebook comment to validate me. A who knows that? They will leave. Let me, let me help you a little bit. Many years ago, this is how I knew something was not right with all this Facebook like and Instagram like. Many years ago, I posted a picture and I realized that people did not really like the picture. Ah, depression. <laughs> depression. And I asked myself, because this is how I really enjoy my life because I'm very, very truthful and honest to myself. Then I asked myself, I said, hmm, Saturday there's a problem. Because people did not like your picture as you expected. Now you are moody, you are grumpy, you have a problem. And it got, this is about maybe like um, more than about 10 years ago, there about. And it got me to start thinking that there's something wrong with this. People who don't know me, they don't pay my school fee, they don't pay my rent, they didn't send me to school, they will never show up, I don't even know them. And the more I mature and started understanding how the Facebook thing worked. Now, when people give you likes, they're not even, they're, some of them is just reflex. They are, they, are, they are putting no thoughts. So does that mean we are trying to build our self-esteem on thoughtless actions of other people? We are in a very, very bad state. You see this Instagram thing with um, young people? Hmm. God help us. God help me. I'm still thinking of how to help them in, the, in, that, in, that, in that area. It is the way it hits the soul and makes people sucked in and be so conscious of themselves and their body. The way Instagram, you know, the way addiction to Instagram like will make you want to do the things you should not be doing is horrible. We'll deal with that in future at some point. So uh Vastan tells us that you know we've made holy true the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So once you are born again, you cannot be deholified. That's my English. Mm. Okay, I didn't write the Bible. Uh, okay, thank God I can, I can see your, you guys do your Bible. So it doesn't sound like maybe Pastor Sunday came with a, I don't want to call it a country's name because back in the days in Nigeria, when some things come from some parts of Asia, we say it is, uh, we call them by that names, which means it's not authentic, it's not original. I'm, I'm actually maturing because I've, I've called your name, but <clears throat> to avoid riot. So once you are born again, you are made holy, and, you're, and you cannot be deholified. Because the holiness we are talking about here is not holiness based on your actions, but based on who you are, your new identity, your new person in Christ Jesus. Somebody say, I'm holy. Regardless of what I do, I am holy. Regardless of how I feel, I am holy. Okay, I know I have kids in, on, on, in church this morning, but let me tell you something. If you're a person that boys, as a girl, boys have been doing you somehow, somehow, right? Um, this is me trying to code it. I hope you get it. Boys have been doing you somehow, somehow, right? They, you know, they come around, they laugh, they, you know, stuff like that. Mm. And they used to feel somehow, you know, when the boy says, oh, you're pretty, you're, you're melting your heart, you're fainting. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hi, and then, 
<coughs> you didn't realize there was a pole in front of you. You're still looking at the boy until you hit your head on the pole in front of you. <coughs> Let me help you here. So when the boy says, hi, you, hi pretty, I don't understand all the language because I'm not in that world. And he say, you know, things, okay, I have a lot of confessions in that area. But one, I can, one of these I can give is this. Now, I am accepted by God and I need no man, I need no boy to validate me. Right? I am beautiful. I am loved by God. I am fully embraced by God. Right? I am full of his love. So when you have those kind of words programmed in your brain, when the, when the can I borrow the word idiot? And I'll tell you the reason why I want to use the word idiot. When the idiot who does not have any sense of direction of his future, a 14-year-old who does not cannot, does not even know how bills are being paid. Some of them don't even know that milk is coming from a cow. They think milk comes from Tesco. And comes to you and say, you know, I can look after you. Sagging is, is or trying to show his six-pack to attract how did I get here? When they come with all their People get angry with the word I'm about to use again, right? So I just advance one stupidity. So when the boys who don't have a sense of future and destiny come around and try to promise you heaven on earth, the guys that does not even understand, some of let me not let me not mess up these guys. You know, when they come around you and they give you the fake admiration, because your brain is already programmed with the original one, it does not make sense. I'm speaking in terms of holiness. And it also affects other areas of our life. What I'm trying to say is this. When we are born again, we are made holy. If we change the way we think, replace the negative and the toxic thoughts in our mind with positive ones, according to the word of God, we will realize that when the enemy comes against us with enticement, with deception, and all kind of lies, by default, we do not go through. And this is why the father's love is very important. You know, when a father has helped his daughter to understand how precious she is, when a riffraff comes, that's another word, when a riffraff come and say, oh, man, I have nonsense, she can identify the fake one because she knows what the real one looks like. But when the father, you know, with all due respect, not all fathers are very trained in this area, but when you then understand that God loves you and you have said it to yourself over and over, because if you had a physical father who was there for you, he will have said these things to you, right? But when you then reinforce it in your own mind by looking at the word of God and saying you are holy, you are this, you are that, when a riffraff comes and trying to, you know, sneakily kind of lure you into his area, you will not go through. You will not follow through because, in, because God's love is so powerful that when you have trained your mind to live by God's love for you, when the fake ones come, something in you tells you that's fake. Okay, let's do something on a test. I don't do designers, or I don't do designer bags. I don't, you know, for many reasons. Right? I like quality. If the quality that I'm looking for in a bag or something happens to be a designer one, I'll buy, but not for the name. And that thing is, is if a designer is trying to sell me a product and their logo is all over it, I won't buy it. Let me tell you one reason. Holy Spirit, why, why are you talking to this man? Because you can see my all my notes. Okay, I'll do what the Holy Spirit can do, so we'll carry on. Now, the designers, name them. 99.9% of them are demonic in their thinking, in their behavior, and what they stand for. Now, your next, when you're when you watching TV, now, show me one designer that is not stuck on godly. Show me one. 
especially the top-rated ones. And I'm into business to some extent, and I, re I watch documentaries about these businesses and a kind of, lot of stuff. But as you go back home, young people, you come back next week and show me and tell me one designer, especially the ones that I well respected, that is not stuck ungodly in their practice, in their thinking, in their advert and everything. So why are we the one carrying the logo, I mean, defining ourselves by the logo of this evil, calm down, evil people? Why? We should carry Christ Jesus. I'm not saying you should not buy quality, right? But it is, it is unspiritual to define and identify ourselves by the identity of evil people. Do you, I don't want to mention this. Do you know what these guys stand for? Even the adverts tell you that these guys are telling you that sexual immorality should be your lifestyle. Go to a perfume shop and see stuff. And then we are now rejoicing and happy that we carry, we wear this perfume. I wear some of their perfume, which I do. But I will not define myself by the perfume I carry. I wear. So you know what I'm wearing? One, one sister, bless her heart. I don't know what she thought of me, but we're having a drama rehearsal. And then I brought out a shirt from my bag and, um, you know, for, to change. And then she, the first thing she did was, this was, a, this was a church. She checked the label of the shirt. I was like, Pastor, I think, uh, I think you were wearing Prada. I, said, I thought, is this Prada? I'm like, I don't understand. Like, you are defining me on the basis of what I'm wearing. Ah, we are sick. We are not well. We are not thinking right. I that Jesus died for. I that Jesus died for. I will carry the power of God on the inside of me. You are not using one silly designer who does not respect my God to define me. We are not well. Amen. So holiness is on the inside. I know I went into identity. It's inside of me. I can't do anything about it. I know we carry... Uh, I, okay, I'm trying, I'm trying... Let me get back on track. Holiness. Right. So Jesus made us holy, and holiness is not a function of our actions, but our identity. So when a guy is coming or a girl is coming and trying to rub body on you, you better get your hands off me right now. Say, get your filthy hands off me. Because I don't do that. In the kingdom I belong to, we don't do that. Tell me, tell me in this world, who, anyone whose sexual immorality has helped their life. It's messed things up. It has not helped anybody and nobody will ever be the first. Friends, don't let them lie to you. You know, on TV and social media, they will tell you like, you know, you know I did this, I did that. No, you only need to go behind the scene and see what's going on in the life of these people. The depression, the oppression. Okay, turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So in case it seems like I'm making these things up, i got to shut down now. 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verse, let's do 15. Now look at this, it said, Now do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I take then... Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. 
But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body, which means they destroy, they kill their own body. Is that how we believe what the Bible says or not? Amen. So, in as much as it may not seem like when people do some silly stuff, what they seem to get a gratification. No, but there's a death, there's a destruction. And many times this thing will catch up in the future. So, every act of immorality is a seed planted onto future destruction. And I think media and the church, to a very much extent, you know, I'm a pastor, you know, this, you know they have trained us to look at things based on the outcome you get right now. Even our finances. I don't want to go there. So we are so short-sighted, we are thinking of, did I suffer any consequence right now because I did this? If I didn't suffer a consequence, it means that it's fine. God, you know, God understands. But you're not getting away with anything because anything, if we don't use our body for what it's meant for, we are destroying it. And it will take, only take time for us to see the consequence of these things. Amen. Verse 19 says, Do you not know your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So let's really finish Hebrews chapter 10. So this is one of the things that makes me preach one message for 10 weeks. It's not my fault. You know, when people have questions in their mind, the Holy Spirit will tell me, just they have just thought about that, talk about that one. Amen. So let's quickly finish that verse. I can release you guys. So Hebrews 10, verse 10. I've read that one. So let's jump to verse 14. Now, for by one sacrifice, are we there? Uh, Hebrews 10, now verse 14. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. 15. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. About this. Um, first, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. So when a prophet comes to your house and says, you know, that thing you are suffering is because of the sin of your mother or your father is a bloody lie. It's a lie. God will never hold your wrong against you. Then, if God does that, the he himself is disqualified to tell us not to hold grudges. God tells us to forgive and somebody is now telling you that, you see, God is holding something against you. The sin of is a lie. Tell them to come and meet me and say it to my face. Is a lie. He said, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice. Read it. He said, and where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Somebody say, I'm holy. Say, I'm holy. So I was going to bust about four minutes for you guys, but um, I ran out of time and just trying to do justice to one because you got to understand it, that you are holy. So as we go into understanding more who the Holy Ghost is and receiving the Holy Ghost, you will not disqualify yourself. So I was going to uh, walk from the other way around to, to start talking about, you know, to pray with you guys, Holy Ghost baptism. And I was in the shower today, Holy Spirit said, you know, you have to bought those meat first so that when you want to pray with people, they can easily receive. Because when you think, you know, because the day I'm going to pray with you, if you have insulted your husband before you got here, you're like, I'm not qualified. No. Because you need the Holy Ghost to break those addictions in your life. Get it? 
Because those addictions, you cannot break them by human power or behavior modification. So I've dealt with people who have therapists. And I'm just watching them. I'm not, saying, I'm not condemning therapists, right? They can help you start the journey. But as long as we're talking about darkness and light, <laughs> and, light is in the, <laughs> and light is in God, <laughs> a therapist cannot deal with demonic situation in your life. People come and face it. Let them show me what they have to deal with the demonic situation in your life. They can do their own, like uh, Elijah and the prophet of Baal. Yes. And I will do mine according to the authority I have in the name of Jesus. And let's see who has results. Let, give me two people with the same situation. One go for therapy till Jesus comes. And the other one, I, you know, they give their life to Christ. I train them the word of righteousness in the word of God with sound meditation. And let's see the difference in one month. Amen. So, when we talk about baptism in the Holy Ghost, you don't disqualify yourself for any reason based on your action. Because what we are trying to do is we are trying to make the new you on the inside become a reality and your everyday experiences. Praise the Lord. Let's pray.